The thief on the cross. It's not too late. Luke 23, 32 through 43. Can you stand again? Hard to go to sleep in this service. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place which is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him vinegar and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you were under the same sentence of condemnation. We indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Pray with me. Father, thank you for making time for us and for those out in our community who have yet to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus. It's not too late. Help us carry that message forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. But just don't get too comfortable. And during the administration of Governor George Nash, of Ohio. A man was arrested, charged with a serious crime, indicted, tried, found guilty, and sentenced to death. Some people felt the sentence was too harsh and they petitioned the governor for clemency on behalf of the condemned man. Governor Nash studied the case and came to the conclusion that he could not make a decision without first meeting the prisoner face to face. So the governor traveled to the state penitentiary and was taken to the man's cell on death row. The condemned man was not told the governor was coming to visit him and when the governor walked into the cell, the prisoner assumed by his appearance that he must be the prison chaplain. Not being a religious man mistaking the governor for the chaplain, the condemned man ordered the governor to leave his cell and punctuated those words with obscenities and vulgarities which offended the ears of the dignified governor. Without saying a word, Governor Nash got up and left the cell and returned to the Capitol, put aside the plea for clemency, which would have commuted the man's sentence from death to life in prison. No sooner had the governor left death row than a guard who overheard the exchange went to the prisoner and said, do you not know who that was? And the prisoner said, no, wasn't that the prison chaplain? The guard said, no, that was Governor Nash who came here to meet you and consider commuting your sentence. The man was later executed. Now go backward about 2,000 years 
to one of the men on the cross. He was stunned. He never thought it would end this way. How could this be happening, he must have thought. How is this happening to me? Sure, he was a criminal, a thief. Sure, he made his way through life by taking without asking. And sure, he had had some run-ins with the Romans before, some pretty close calls. Yet he never thought he'd get caught. He never thought it would end like this. Never thought he'd be sentenced to death and a crucifixion. How could this be happening, he must have thought. But the jeers and insults of the crowd... The rough feel of the cross gouging into his back, the sound of the hammer pounding the spikes, the shooting pain. All they said about it was the truth, the awful truth. It was coming to an end and he was being crucified. There's no doubt about it. The second criminal knew. He knew now that it was over. He only hoped that death would come quickly. It was over, wasn't it? We know this criminal was one of three men to die that day on on a cross outside of Jerusalem, a place called the Skull, Golgotha. It was a garbage dump outside of town. It was crowded as usual. These executions were a cheap form of entertainment for a lot of folks. There was some sort of fascination with crime and violence and blood and suffering. And we have that today. All you've got to do is uh, watch people slow down at an auto accident and rubberneck, and gawk. It's disgusting. And there was the usual crowd that day for a crucifixion, but something was different. This second criminal noticed it. He recognized a lot of the townspeople. He knew the other criminal on the cross, but this third man, the one in the middle, what was his name? He hadn't run across him before in their criminal doings. He didn't have a criminal record. This Jesus, who was he? And who were these women who were nearby? And what's this big deal the soldiers are making over him? Why this crown woven out of thorns? Why these strange insults? Oh, he was accustomed to insults at crucifixions, but nothing like these. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. The people were mocking. Then he heard some strange words from this man in the middle himself. Usually the condemned man swears and begs and curses and moans, but Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Slowly, the second criminal begins to figure it out. This man, Jesus, is not a criminal. He doesn't deserve to be hanging on a cross like he and the other criminal do. Slowly, listening to the talk of those around him and recalling the stories he'd been hearing around town, the second criminal begins to put it all together. This is the man that everybody was talking about that created such a a furor just a few days earlier when he entered into the city. This is the one who'd been talking about God's compassion and mercy, about God's care for the poor, about the oppressed and the stranger in our midst, about God's love for all people, a love that that never gives up and never lets go. This is the one who's been talking about justice and fairness and and steadfastness and a life of faith. This is the one who said he was going to bring it all about. This crucified Jesus is the one. And the second criminal began recalling other stories. Because Jesus not only talked about God's love and compassion and mercy, he actually lived it out. 
He ate with sinners. He hung around with those on the fringe of society. He touched those who were diseased. He made the lame to walk and the blind to see, and he restored the insane to their right minds. And he said this was only going to be the beginning, that there was more yet to come. And God's love was so great, he said, that we hadn't seen anything yet. Save yourself and us, shouts the other criminal. And it interrupts the second criminal's thoughts. He turns to the first criminal and hears those words. And he says, he's saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And he listens to the first criminal's insults for a while. And then he turns to that other criminal and says, be quiet. Do you not fear God? You're under the same condemnation. Do you not fear God? We have been condemned justly. We're getting what we deserve. But this man, this man in the middle, this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong, nothing wrong at all. And there's silence. And then the second criminal turns to Jesus and the two men look at each other and their eyes meet. Both are racked in agony and the tortured suffering of the cross. And the criminal says quietly to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks back at the man in the midst of pain. A gentle smile crosses his face. And he says, today, truly I say to you, you'll be with me in paradise. Was it over? The second criminal thought it was. He thought it was all over, but something happened. In the midst of his suffering, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of his regrets, his remorse and the insults around him, in the midst of this struggle, he turned his face toward Christ and he was never the same again. This day you'll be with me in paradise, Jesus said. So it wasn't over. You know, none of us gets a free pass in life. Our lives can be filled with pain and difficulty that's nearly impossible to bear. Trouble that seems insurmountable. And we can wallow in the depths of despair, loneliness, anxiousness, confusion, fear. We suffer. We struggle to make sense out of life. We don't get the things out of life we were hoping for. We lose people who are dear to us. But today we are reminded that we don't have to be alone. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks of us. It doesn't even matter what we think of ourselves. None of that matters. Because we can be saved and renewed in Jesus Christ. So we don't have to sit here and think there's no hope for me. Look, this guy was hanging on a cross and there was hope for him. There was forgiveness. There was eternal life for him. In Jesus, God lived among us and with us. In Jesus, God continues to live among us and with us. And he knows our aches and pains because, good night, he experienced them. He knows our suffering and anguish. He knows our fear and anxiety. He knows our despair. He knows our anger and confusion. He knows our grief, our God-faced death. And through it all, God was in Christ, overcoming the pain and the struggle, the suffering, the anguish, the despair, 
the deep and abiding grief that is part of our lives. And God overcame it all and said that life can be renewed and we can live fully, that we can have hope now and forever. We don't have to be alone because the second criminal on the cross said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and said, truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. And because that second criminal on the cross was saved hanging there that day beside Jesus, you and I have hope too. We always have hope. And we can be with Jesus now and always, no matter what. Pray with me. Father, thank you for not making a lengthy list of things we have to do before we can be saved. Because a lot of times we wait to the last minute. But even hanging on the cross, the second criminal found the Christ and salvation and his eternal life was changed at that very moment. There are folks all around us who need to hear the good news and even more need to respond to it. If there's someone here tonight, if there's someone watching by television, if there's a need anywhere that has gone unmet, we profess our faith in the God who fixes things that are broken who loves those who feel no love, who gives hope to the hopeless. We have found that faith ourselves, and we praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.